Attention! Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about films that have gone bad in the mind bridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me this fine post-Christmas episode is my love, David William Rogers. Hello to you. Hello. Merry holidays. Merry holidays. It's kind of (laughs) sad after the Christmas break because, you know, now it's like you kind of have New Year's to look forward to, but this is like a very weird week where I feel like you're coming down from a lot of like family drama and or you know a lot of food and alcohol and you're like I gotta get my shit right so it's a weird time but we have a great we have one more holiday movie just in case you didn't get all of your Christmas movies David William Rogers what movie are we doing today yes we are doing the movie Trading Places 1983 this is director John Landis, writers Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingord. Great last name. Great last um, name. This stars Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Ralph, Ralph Bellamy. Um, there's an appearance by Dan Blackroyd, um, who's a very... <laughs> 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 I had to get that in there. Uh, very unknown actor. Um, but Donna Michi, who I share a birthday with. Um, he's also an Oscar winner. And then Ralph Bellamy. So you see a lot of other people in here. There's a former, I don't know if he was a senator or a congressman. He was also a writer on SNL. Um, I forget his name, but I'm going to catch it up in a little bit. You're not and, talking about John Belushi, obviously. <clears throat> no, but John Belushi also <laughs> makes a, makes an appearance as a hilarious, you know, gorilla in this. But um, yeah, a lot of... A lot of characters, even um, somebody, uh, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito. He was John, in. Giancarlo, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Breaking Bad. So a lot of OGs, Jamie Lee Curtis. And this is a holiday movie, but there's, you know, there's a few things there's that some things popped to out discuss. to me. Yeah, yeah, Let's, yeah. we're going to get into it in just a minute. We do have a wonderful guest joining us today. Joe, Co- yeah, it's true. <laughs> One half of the Shut Up, I Love It podcast, which David and I have guested on a couple of times. I feel like we're podcasting friends now, dare I say. So We're a network. We're a network. We're a total network. Yeah. And I would correct you in that I'm a quarter of that show. I'd say Sasha is really more the three quarters. Okay, okay. That's it. love I'm, right there. I'm very, I don't even touch the audio files. Oh, wow. So I can't even... I can't even tell you That's that a, I do anything for the show. You just show up and, and talk about hey, stuff, right? You're the Get talent. Out. You're yeah. the talent. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, before we jump into the film, I did want to talk, since we have Joe all to himself at first, um, I did want to say, Joe, how did you get into podcasting? Let's talk about your journey. Oh, my gosh. I don't... Uh, I think... You know, my first one ever might have been a Korean movie review podcast. Oh, how Uh, random. (laughs) It kind of was because I lived by a Korean movie theater. Uh, Suddenly it was like, okay, I moved here. It's really close, like blocks away. I want to go see the see the Korean movies. So then I made a, a really like every week I would go, me and my buddy would go. And then we're like, oh, let's just do a podcast afterwards. So I. I don't think anybody wants to hear like two drunk guys talking about a Korean movie they just saw 
and strongly with... disagree but you never know <laughs> continue uh because you know the tough part about movie review podcasts are not everybody's seen the movie right like i don't want to hear a review of spider-man until i've seen it right mm-hmm. uh, and then that's a lot harder for these Korean movies where for most people outside of Korea who they have their own reviewers yeah. and podcasters, they didn't they can't find the movies. It takes so long to get the movies on digital <laughs> if you even do that. Uh, I realized that there was no business sense there. And that's how I started. And it was a bad operation. I recorded through a Canon camera with a microphone attached, <laughs> like a really expensive road microphone. Interesting. But it was just there, you know, pointed at us like a gun mm-hmm. as we spoke. So there was no, it wasn't well produced either. And that's what started my journey. And that's how I record today, too. I just have a, <laughs> a camera going. He's lying. But so then, so then, okay, then how did you become one or a quarter of Shut Up, I Love It? How did you and Sasha meet? Uh, I've known Sasha for uh, about like eight or nine years now, I think, through comedy, like just doing a stand-up improv and all that. And then she started doing this podcast. I think I may have guested on it with another co-host she had, the original. The OG. Steven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had, have, had to leave for personal reasons, and then she hit me up. Do you want to do it? And it was been, it's been magic ever since. Rode off into so. the sunset. Yeah, it it feels right because me and Sasha we're very close. We we understand each other. It just like you know, there's the there's people you sh- you guys have it. Mm-hmm. There's people you should be podcasting with. And there's yeah. people you shouldn't be. It's <laughs> like it's like if you can travel with somebody. Like you might be the best friends in the world, but you might not be good travel buddies. I think mm-hmm. you know doing a creative endeavor, especially every single week, like. For those that don't know out there, like there is a time commitment to doing a podcast. It's editing, it's research, it's finding the guests, it's watching them. In our case, it's watching the movies, it's discussing it. And not everybody has that same work ethic, right? Not everybody's yeah, yeah. excited every week to do it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I, you know, it's like that thing where you are, you like it, but you're still like uh, some weeks or I would say some days it's a little more work because hey, I have, you know, a lot going on or I'm stressed or something happened. Um, so it can be that. So if you don't like the person, Tell oh, them. my God. Yeah, it's or like, oh, I got to see know. this motherfucker again. <laughs> yeah, or I have to talk <laughs> with them. You know, it's like a very different thing. So it felt pretty perfect for us to do something creatively together. And I'm glad it's shut up. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. And then outside of podcasting, I mean, you have graphic novels and do other cool creative things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I've always dabbled a bit in writing anything, Um, you know, not just sticking to TV, film or whatever, just because I like to see the stuff get made, Mm -hmm. you know. So I have a a couple comics. One's Robot Black Belt Champion, and that's more for kids or uh, I should say all ages. And it's about a uh, a second grade loner who decides to get the respect from his schoolmates by beating up the new bully in school, who is a giant robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of about bullying and all that. And it's a very fun comic. Mm-hmm. And then I have on the other side of the spectrum, a horror comic that is incredibly adults only. And I would not recommend to children because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would get in a lot of trouble, I think. <laughs> 
And that one is about a killer bottle of booze and a uh, bunch of girls hanging out. And imagine a slasher if the killer was just a bottle of booze. Okay. That's different. Um, Do you write under the same name for both of them? I do. Okay. I have no respect for myself no. or my career. No, I, mean, I respect yeah. that. I'm just wondering you can make if make that new movie. They if, did some, it for... <laughs> if someone was like to accident, be like, oh well, yeah, I love this writer, and to pick up the wrong comic to give to their child. Yeah, I do. I do think about it, that a lot, <laughs> to be quite fair. <laughs> but then you have people like Michael Ian Black. You know, he has a kids book, and he also has. Uh, my favorite van and other books like that that like mm-hmm. there's whole chapters about like sucking dick or something. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. If he can manage it, yeah. then I think I'll be fine. Yeah. Uh so I have those and then I write book books too, uh just words. Um and uh, one's out right now on my Patreon that you could read even if you just subscribe for a couple bucks. Definitely. The whole book is there. Definitely do that. David and I need to figure out our Patreon. We'll have to get a drink i'll subscribe yeah well we'll have to dr- get a drink with joe like like we were talking about earlier with with podcasting there's so many things like we have a landing page for our website but we still i think the first time we talked to joe we were like yeah we have a website and it's got nothing on it and one day we will do stuff <laughs> so it's just you know never ending but everyone that's listening should definitely go follow joe cabello and do his patreon and get to read his book yeah. what's the Google book about it. It's about a uh, in a world of superpowered cops and criminals, a disgraced former cop teams up with a orphaned ten year old girl to stop a deadly technological virus from killing L.A. I'm in. I'm in too. That, that sounds, sounds like amazing. a screenplay too. I was gonna say that adapted. seems like a TV show for yeah. sure. And I would say the book reads, you know, quick like a movie. Like you'll read it and you'll be like, I felt like I just watched a movie. Nice. Did you get? And it, that's what we want did, out of books. Did you <laughs> did you get into writing books and graphic novels like to hopefully sell off IP to move into TV and film, or do you just love the medium? No, I do love the medium, and it is like, hey, only so many movies get made, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a screenplay is not a finished product. People don't read screenplays other than screenwriters, and so a book is uh, the opposite. <laughs> People read those, and it's a finished product, and they could still be your, your stories. So for me, it was a little bit like that. Like, hey, I want to see these things get made. And then they certainly have the opportunity to to be taken as IP and made into movies. But really, I was just like, I want to see full my full stories told, or at least have the opportunity to tell it and share it without being like, hey, you want to read my screenplay? I think you'll like the story. And then really nobody wants to do that. Yeah, but that helps visualize it for anybody that's reading it, right? You get in that world that you created. And as you're reading, you're painting that picture and you're making that movie in your head as you're reading it. So that's something that I love about a really good book mm-hmm. that you just can't put down because you're like, I got to see what happens on the next page. Got to see what happens. And it's different, right? Like you get in, you can get into feelings and different things so i often think about with my book like because it did start as a screenplay idea mm-hmm. you got me there. <laughs> uh and i think i even have 30 pages of script written for it that i took and just plugged in the book but i do think like oh if i had to now make this into an actual screenplay how do i take those parts that are talking about a character's feelings or whatever and uh show that visually and make them into the movie 
it would be a great challenge. So if anybody would like to <laughs> to make my book that's not even technically book. released yet into a movie, <laughs> uh, it'll probably be given to like Brett Ratner and he'll do a rewrite and sure. It'll be a shadow of its former self, much like myself. Yeah. Uh-oh. Listen, whatever you know, if you're creating creators create, storytellers tell stories. So if you're out there, you're doing it. And with that, let's talk about another story, a film yeah. by the name of Trading Places, Trading a film Plazas. I had never seen before. Had you guys seen this film before? Oh, yeah. Not I. This is one of those like comedy classics that I definitely never re- never got into for whatever reason. You dodged it. Me too. Oh, I've seen this multiple times. You've seen it up. multiple times? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And does it feel like a Christmas movie to you, David? Um... Not really, no. Yeah, it's just like Christ- it's a comedy that takes place around yeah. the holidays. Christmas is kind of in the background. It's not like a focus, yeah. right? And New and, and New Year's and New yeah. Year's, yeah. Um, well, Joe, because you and I had never seen it. Well, I'm. We got to do the synopsis, David. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah, I, I think it's my turn because the <laughs> okay, last right. one you said about three words. That's true. I was making a funny. That's ma- concise. I was, yeah, ma- right, that's I was making a funny. I thought I was very funny. It started off a very ranty dialogue on my end. I was having a yeah. moment, but fine. So David, it's your turn to do the synopsis, and then I want to ask Joe. <laughs> I want to ask Joe about his initial reaction. Go okay. ahead. So you got um, the Duke brothers, right? And they are, they have their own firm that people trade on uh, commodities, basically gold, orange juice, pork bellies, things of that nature. Dan Aykroyd, who is Lewis Winthorpe, works for them. And one of them, uh, I think it's Mortimer Duke, is coming up with this idea because he's reading this. Um, this guy that's getting up for the Nobel Prize, nature versus nurture. So the brothers are going back and forth, and they're arguing about that. And he said, well, let's fucking do a bet. They had just saw um, Eddie Murphy's character, who's a con man, get into trouble with the cops out front with Dan Aykroyd. And he said, let's, I bet you a dollar that I could take Eddie Murphy's character, who's from the streets, probably a poor background, he's a con man, and then take Dan Aykroyd's character, drop him into that world, and totally reverse, and it's going to be nurture or nature, whichever one um, they're arguing, to figure that out. And they bet a dollar, basically going to ruin Dan Aykroyd's life, take everything he's got, basically, and then yeah. and then lift up Eddie Murphy's character to do just exactly the same job that Dan did. Because if he's in a better environment, he's going to thrive. So they do this, and it ends up that Eddie Murphy kind of figures this out. And he hits up Dan Aykroyd, who is just going down the drain. He's ended up with a prostitute, which is um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Ophelia. She gets her boobs out <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, Fan, yeah. Fantastic <laughs> boobies. Oh, and ride. also very 80s to like have a lot of titties at any point. You know, I feel yeah, like. The yeah. oh, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. That was one, of, my, hers, one right? of the themes I wrote down. So as he's dropping, <laughs> down, dropping down levels in the, you know socioeconomic or class um, structures. Eddie Murphy's on his way up. He's learning the business, learning how to trade. He figures it out what the the Dukes are doing, tells Dan Aykroyd and the butler and Jamie Lee Curtis. They're like, all right, let's fuck these dudes up. They know that this orange report is going to come out and then they can trade off that information that they took before, um, you know, this orange 
juice report or not orange juice orange report comes out that it's either the crops are going to be affected by the winter or they're not and then people trade off that information so they make a ton of money and the dukes get their um you know upcomings whatever you want to call it and they're they're comeuppance thank you and they're put in a poorhouse and dan Aykroyd and eddie murphy and right off into the sunset yeah Yeah. the butler on the beach okay yeah and yeah if that if the futures and commodity stuff is confusing at all someone was gracious enough on the imdb to explain it in depth do you want to break it down actually oh no yeah no just go check go check it out but to even understand futures trading, I think it's just like a whole bit other thing. Yeah, yeah. Gotta... it's it's crazy. It's I mean, it, it's weird. It's making money on things that, in theory, will exist that do mm-hmm. not exist right now. So you're basically, I mean, to be honest, when I watched those scenes on the trading floor, it just looked like another form of gambling to me. Which I guess, in a way, you could argue it, they kind of say he's yeah. like, you guys are bookies. Yeah, right? you're bookies. Exactly. And right. this was not what they did wasn't illegal until 2010. Oh, wow. So when this took place in this movie, what they actually did, trading on that information, wasn't technically illegal. Well, let's back up for a second. I wanted to ask Joe his initial reaction to this film. Since we both saw it for the first time, um, I want to share with you guys that I watched this film and Get Out for the first time on the same day. And, and <laughs> I, I think there's an argument to be made that this has some Get Out elements to it. You know, Why like, did you watch Get Out on the same day? Just I, yeah, I, I, I read the script of Get Out the night before I watched this film. And then I was like, I got to watch it while it's fresh in my mind because I want to see how they executed it. I'm like, you know, trying to delve more into horror films. David knows I'm like a massive pussy for that but obviously get out of such a well-crafted script and don't you think there's some similarities between those two movies i mean you got white people fucking pulling the strings on this guy's life oh certainly but yes joe what was your initial reaction from this movie uh so a lot of like uh just red flags popped up just john landis which he's he's uh you know no shortage of talent but i believe this was filmed immediately after those people died on the set of Twilight Zone. Oh, wow. What uh, happened there? So, I'm not familiar with this. Oh, so uh, he had two kids and an actor, an adult actor, died on the set of Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, via helicopter cutting their heads off. Yeah. No way. Uh, and he was charged, one, uh, because they were shooting, I believe, at like after hours, midnight, when kids shouldn't be there. And then uh, a lot has to happen for a helicopter to chop someone's head off. Exactly. So he was put to court for manslaughter. And I think that's like one of the only a few cases that a director has, you know, been charged for death on the set like that. And maybe we'll see some changes. Well, very relevant with, you know, the stuff that happened with Rust in 2021. And, you know, obviously uh, the woman who died on the train tracks, like, negligence in film is terrible and it happens historical Uh, yeah yeah but it is interesting that this was like the movie directly after that if if that's the case because this is very much like a i wonder if that's um has a lot to do with the pace of shooting a film and the money be like every minute it takes so if you're trying to move fast you're going to make a mistake so especially late night your people are probably tired on set Something slipped up and they fucked up on the safety protocols and they were trying to push something forward and people died. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you've worked on a set, then you know you've probably been in a position where you or someone next to you could have just as easily died doing what you were doing to get the shot or do the, <laughs> the work, whatever you needed to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was a red flag. Not not so much for the quality of the movie because he's certainly talented, but uh, it, just it's, knowing the history it's of the him. stain. Yeah, there's a, there's a stain there that is at least perks your hairs up. And then I watched it through Amazon, uh, rented it through there. And the first, it has like why it's rated what it is. Oh my God. I was going to say the exact same thing. Continue. Sorry. Yes. The, uh, you know, of course you might list things like nudity, profanity. Number one is blackface. And you're like, okay, let's, let's see when this drops. Is this going to be minute (laughs) one or how much are we talking about here? Especially given the, the trading places mm-hmm. title mm-hmm. and premise <laughs> so there was there was yeah. a little bit of uh, uh prickling and of course it being the subject of age like milk <laughs> i'm like this is a challenge movie right yeah. in some ways uh but having seen it it's 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 kind of tragic because i think it's so close and it does it's so close to being right and saying and just saying something important alone yeah and even the the race stuff that is irky the use of the n-word the the flippant racism it's i think actually at the service of a message even if it is ugly but there's a lot of uh racism just baked in the movie from the time yeah like it cannot escape the time it was created even if it's also trying to say something about racism and about race so it just i think you have to look at it for its time but that it it did irk me a little bit where i'm like i'm not like i don't think i'd watch this movie again and i'm honestly a little shocked that it's on so many lists for like best comedy the 80s or best comedies ever because i didn't find it that particularly funny Mm -hmm. it felt like eddie murphy b-sides that he didn't and not even b-sides right because he hadn't done a lot of these things yet but it felt like the practice routines for yeah later great funny stuff he was gonna do in other movies so Pryor was supposed to be up for this richard Pryor, but he had that incident um where he set himself on fire and we actually talked about this a little bit paris on the scourge episode um but so that he couldn't get that and john lance was like who eddie murphy what are you talking about and so they showed him the tape of 48 hours which had been shot but hasn't been released yet so they showed him the you know with i think nick nolte the 48 hours and they're like all right you know maybe we can work with this but i was thinking about this as i watched it the second time today um that i felt like as like a black actor back then it was kind of like all right let's see what this guy can do like Black people are kind of comedians are underneath us. You, you see what I'm kind of getting at? Um, like, let's just put him on camera and he'll make us laugh or something like that. Where like Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd is more of an elevated like comedian. And it's I just felt I felt a little weird watching it, thinking that that was in my head. Right. Projecting on it like, all right, black people weren't right. 
at the status they are now in the industry. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah, funny black guy. And that's how I kind of felt. But Eddie Murphy's such a monster in who he became. And early on in his career, I felt like he might have been kind of under that microscope for some actors and movie financers. For sure. Yeah, that's very, it's very funny that the dynamics of the Aykroyd to um, Murphy relationship, both in the characters and then as actors are similar in mm-hmm. that way where it is yeah only his second movie dan Aykroyd, i believe was already you know already snl mm-hmm. already established doing yeah movies. so yeah it is kind of funny that they mirror each other and that's why the it's so baked in the times the the bad things about this movie yeah yeah what I, about you Paris? well i also i saw it on stars and uh i noticed the same thing that it had an r rating it said nudity language and outdated cultural references and oh, they don't want to say it oh the cowards at stars <laughs> so that's what they they said and i read it and i paused and i wrote it down and i was like you always know it's gonna have problematic shit when they f- have to put that like you know uh-huh. one, one of our earliest movies that we did was dumbo and that was interesting because on disney they really call out in the beginning you know like it's like a i think i haven't seen gone with the wind but apparently they have like a similar sort of disclaimer at the front so it's like going into it i already knew i mean i again i didn't know anything i try not to like ruin it for myself but i knew just the title trading places and just looking at the time period and even the first few minutes with dan Aykroyd like rolling over in his pajamas and he's got like a butler i'm like okay i can Mm -hmm. see see where this is going but yeah i mean you already touched on it, like some of the use of the N-word, um, just some of the throwaway comments. Like there are very musical people, like the way they spoke about yeah. black people <laughs> was just like, was yeah. just like, was just like they were like these aliens from another planet. And I guess, you know, being Australian and coming into America, obviously coming from a country that has a deeply racist background also, but just not understanding, I think, the way that um people of color were kind of kept out of conversations and like not really, you know, welcome to the table. Like the fact that they're talking about them as if they're like creatures from another planet. I'm just like, you know, yeah. they're very musical people or of, you know, I think I texted David, I paused it and I was like 18 minutes in and I'm already like, my eyebrows are in my head. I knew and he's, exactly what and, he, and, and you knew exactly what was the line. Do you even remember? Uh, when he's like a Negro. He says, Negro. of course there's something wrong with him. He's yeah, a Negro. He's a Negro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I do think the movie, it's its attempt at commentary. I do think those lines, and that's the, the where it falls, is even though that's its attempt at commentary, it feels a little too natural given everything else I think that's what, in the movie. I think that's what it is. It's it. I mean, realistically, the the overarching theme that I take away from this film is rich versus poor um, and then capitalism being, you know, a bad thing or like, you know, rich people just playing with normal people's lives. Even mm-hmm, even even Dan Aykroyd, who's, you know, like this millionaire, they can just take everything away from him in a second and they do it for fun. They do it for a dollar. It just really, mm. I think recently <laughs> with like, you know, the Jeff- Jeffrey Bezos's of the world and like just this discussion around billionaires and personally feeling like we shouldn't have billionaires because that's like too much money when there's so much, you know, need in the world. I think it really, yeah, maybe that stuck as, as racist as it was. I agree with you, Joe. It's kind of like of the time. Like, did I expect any better from an 83 movie? No. But the uh, the references to capitalism and 
I mean, the way they just don't give a shit about people. They're on the trading floor and this guy fucking faints. He gets like crushed and they carry him out and they're like, get back in there. You know, not just not just the racism aspect, like Eddie Murphy's throwing out the F word. Right. And he's calling the brothers like, what are y'all? It's like, y'all ain't going to get me a jacuzzi. (laughs) So I thought there were some really funny parts like Eddie Murphy when he was um, he asked for his coat. And he's like, yeah, this is my coat. I thought some of that, like the timing that Eddie Murphy has is hilarious, but like, you know, throwing the F word around for like the gay community and Eddie Murphy got some heat uh, in the past couple of years because of some of his stand up he did Mm. in the Mm eighties. Right. So it's, um, I think like to Jill's point that the times you can't get away from because there was so much that was okay around this time making a movie. And then like you Joe saying, you were talking about the trying to comment on it and, the class divide or you know not trying not to be racist and these assholes are but it just hits so hard like it's like cringy even though if they were trying not to to be cringy and it just Mm. felt like no like people actually did talk like that feel like that and new york was or i guess they're in philadelphia but yeah like these cities like yeah people and this is like the cities you know this is I don't know how affluent Philadelphia was in the 80s. I mean, they definitely make certain parts of it look like totally shit, you know, like with the garbage and stuff like that. So, but, you know, you have to think like if these are the educated cosmopolitan people, you know, making these throwaway lines and then you've got the people in the country, like what I'm saying is like these people were probably more progressive, like than what we would have seen in like middle America in the 80s. Right. Because, you know, the LGBT community was making moves at the time. Like, we have to think about, yeah, the rise of, of being more free with who you were and, and all these protests. And I don't know. Yeah. It was so ba- It was so baked in. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, the, the gay community at that time. I don't even think the, the AIDS epidemic. Had no, that was 90s, yet. wasn't and it? And that's, yeah. that really, not, nothing was uh, better and well after then you know it was still they were an alien species mm-hmm. uh to to how these types of people would talk um but yeah so it kind of it's unfair to say this because i don't know the people who wrote this or whatever but what it comes across is these people were like oh we'll make we're gonna write these racist characters but they're writing things that they actually feel yeah like that's that's what it feels like yeah. you know when an actor like is playing a racist character and you're like he's doing that too well <laughs> yeah it, it feels like, like that this is a, this is method acting like the stillness of the moment is just like whoa and yeah this... it's like that's not a joke like yeah. uh, <laughs> how is that yeah you know like... it kind of no i was just gonna say like the the line that really like it's towards the end but they're talking about switching them back and he's like you don't want an n-word running our company and they're like of course not like Mm -hmm. that is just so much deeper than just a joke you know like oh and they could change they didn't have to use the n-word for any of that right they it's it's trying to do a commentary that the oh these guys are bad and racist and racism is bad but Mm -hmm it the movie itself doesn't seem to have respect for black people mm-hmm. yeah so that's what you have to do as a movie you have to establish that like oh no the we actually don't think these things mm-hmm. but even with the black side characters uh and they're not even side characters the butler you know, gets five guys bucks in jail too. guys in yeah guys at the bar yeah like 
there's a lot that just the the way they characterize even Eddie Murphy he's mm. not a good guy the only you know? the only community that they didn't outright kind of like punch down to was sex workers they make Jamie Lee Curtis which is interesting right like they make Jamie Lee Curtis this like she, end of the day she is a prostitute and she's a sex worker but they make her seem I just thought that was really interesting like they make kind of fun of every other person and she's like this untouchable you know person who's like depicted as a beautiful you know smart she's got t-bonds and that's where all her prostitution money's going she's gonna do it for another five years and retire yeah so she's got like a good head on her shoulders yeah well that's yeah, actually that's I have an issue point. with that I'll I'll my issue with that is that this movie says, oh, no, prostitutes are human, too. You know, they're people deserving respect, but only if they're smart XYZ, and beautiful because, and they make investments. Yeah, she, she lives in a actually pretty nice apartment. She is takes saying, care of oh, him. Yeah, I don't do certain things, she says. Oh, I'm not doing this for this. So it's actually not a portrayal of a prostitute down on it. It's saying somebody's who's like, a foot out of prostitution. Yeah. yeah. And it's a condi- it's a conditional like way that we're supposed to feel about her. Like, oh, don't, you know, she's beautiful and she's nurturing and she's this and it's like mm. she doesn't have as many layers, I don't think, as, you know, she's just kind of this untouchable character. But anyway, I did think it was interesting that like they t- spent so much time, you know, ripping into black people basically. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then here she And is. I th- I think this movie, if there was a black hooker character, I think this movie would make fun of them. And yeah. I think that's where the or one of the other problems lies. It would be okay with mm-hmm. making fun of the black hooker. But the white hooker, oh, no, she actually, she does this and that. And, again, that's kind of an unfair thing because that's conjecture. But the whole vibe of the movie seems to suggest it's a good bet it's a good futures bet because because eddie 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 murphy really had value towards the end you know when he was turns out his street smarts are you know effective in business or even when he hosts that party and he kind of kicks people out and he suddenly like changes like i feel like it's coded where it's like no he's actually a good guy you know like he went can he give value to them there there was one great line though um that his butler said before he went in i forget where he went to a party or his his first day on the job eddie murphy's first day on the job he's like well if you just are yourself they can never take that away from you that butler was a fucking dick he pretended he didn't the know. The butler was a dick? He didn't. He pretended he didn't know who Dan Aykroyd's character was. True, true, but he was, I mean, that's his livelihood. He also called them <laughs> assholes when he hung up hung up the phone when he was talking to them. When they that, I think had he the hated plan. Dan Aykroyd, and <laughs> rightfully so. Because Dan Aykroyd was kind of a prick, too. Yeah, Dan not? Aykroyd was a prick, and yeah. he had to be humbled. But yeah, no, Coleman is the butler's name. Yeah, was so Coleman. mean yeah. to Louis Winthorpe III, Louis Winthorpe III. But I was like, he's trying to make him feel crazy. Oh, my God. It was he's, just. Yeah, he was gaslighting him. Everybody was. was. Just so but pissed. I don't I don't <laughs> like how this movie puts uh, Louis and uh, Eddie Murphy, Valent, Bobby Valentine, mm-hmm. or whatever. Billy Ray. It, Billy Ray. It, it's it William. puts them on the same level, and they're not. Uh, Dan Ackerman's character shows no redeeming qualities, period. Except for uh, taking Jamie Lee Curtis on a boat. At the end, because she has fantastic bobos, and he's great like, bobos. He's changed by that point and saw the bobos while he had a fever, so that's a great way to see bobos. But like, she likes him and helps him, uh, not because he's 
a good guy or that shows any redeeming qualities because she's kind. Mm-hmm. And as far as Eddie Murphy's character, he's pretty bad. I mean, uh, pretending you're disabled and <laughs> pretending uh, it to be a veteran. That's called veteran. Yeah. that's that's Blind. stolen. That's stolen valor, and I believe so that is scary. a. Is a crime, right? But also, yeah. also that girls, that woman's walking through the park. He's like, "Hey, me and you." He's like, he "Fuck you, bitch!" Yeah, yeah, he yells <laughs> Just at her because he would, such... she wouldn't give him the time of day. So he's not a great guy either. But at least the movie then uh, does show. Okay, he he shows care for something he was given. Yeah, he gets there's... he gets get out of. <laughs> totally he, he is that he does he though sh- he gets get out it he's like literally i just I, it was so crazy to watch get out beside this movie because like lakeith San- stanfield in get out is like the you know he's like spoiler alert like the host of one guy and like as soon as eddie murphy starts acting like white enough and i say that in quotation marks now he's accepted you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah, just, uh, yeah i don't know i i see where you're going but it's just a lot more paranoia to get out and a lot more people involved than two two gentlemen Eddie making starts a to get Eddie starts to get paranoid. He starts to think. No, no. What I'm what I'm saying, like when you're watching the film, because it's not just one or two people. It's not just the girlfriend and Get Out and her family. Right. No, you're right. It's everyone. It is all these people that are at this party. True. But also, but also the Duke brothers do convince everybody that Dan Winthorpe. No, I'm mixing up the names. Lewis with the that he's like a drug addict and stuff. So it's different, but it's it's yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is in on it except for Lewis Winthrop. He cannot figure out what what's going on, and he thinks the cop was in on it. Yeah. The station. He got paid off. And Mm. and Lewis Winthrop, Dan Aykroyd's character, thinks that it's Eddie Murphy's character that has done it to him. So they basically like pit them against each other, which is Mm. fucked up because really they're both victims. Which, if you look at it, is kind of a metaphor of like the left and the right in this country. <laughs> Sorry to get all deep, but I feel like, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's billionaire playing playing games. That's my. It is, but again, I don't think Ackroyd is on the same level no. as, and it, the, I hate that the movie does play that as if, no, these are two equal victims, and I don't think they're equal victims. No, and I don't think they're they have they're of equal character either. So that's something bothersome that it seems to but also to want to play that. I mean, it's it's a known fact that if you can't if you're taught to be wealthy um, and you lose all your money, you can gain it back, right? Like a lot of times, people who make shitty investments or they you know go to jail for white collar crimes, people who are born in poverty, like someone like Eddie Murphy's character in this, he wouldn't know jack shit about trading, right? So like they aren't equal. And even the Duke brothers say like don't throw out his clothes because he's going to need something to wear back to the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's fucked yeah, but up. you don't because... know that he wouldn't understand trading. No, and he does understand trading. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, Louis still has this, like, Harvard education. What does Eddie uh, have? You know what true, I mean? True, but he has yeah, a it's record a flawed now. Experiment, yeah, for but, sure, uh, but also, he, uh, Dan Acker's character has a lot of help, right, to get back to where he is. If he... If we extended this movie and Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't there, Eddie Murphy was like, man, fuck him. I know this is a um, like a bet that I overheard the brothers and he used it to his advantage somehow to gain status in a company, whatever, and just let Dan Aykroyd fuck off. Like that sequel <laughs> might be interesting. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I I get them working together, but it definitely does. You, in today's climate, you kind of would rather see just Eddie Murphy succeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck that guy. Um, he was such a spoiled brat, right? But it it, it is good to see, yeah, the billionaires get theirs. I wanted to bring up some of the stuff that bumped up from a fashion perspective. God, how I do not miss those 80s earrings. When Jamie Lee Curtis gets naked, but she leaves on those giant earrings and like gets into bed. I'm like, bitch, that is not comfortable. Don't even lie. Do not. She and was then just trying to warm him up. With Doesn't her big old you. bobos and her big old <laughs> earrings. Body. <laughs> Did you see the quote too that... Um, she said that all her horror career, which was uh, four or five movies prior to this, she was a scream queen, uh, never really felt weird on set or whatever. But then once she does this movie, they're like, oh, you got to take your top off. <gasps> so it's just, you know, we're so used to horror being like, oh, it's going to be a lot of naked ladies mm-hmm. and, and this or that. But no, it was this once she gets to a studio comedy, they're like, oh, you're going to get naked. So she actually felt. Uh, a little weird about it yeah and also i do resent you know that i mean as much as i'm joking about her boobs and like she looks amazing like i do resent sometimes the gratuitous breasts in like the 80s and 90s movies like when they're dancing at eddie's eddie throws a little party and these girls are just dancing they start taking their tops off (laughs) i have never been invited to any of those parties to be fair so I would I would like to. I will admit a bad part of me is that I like those. Of course you do. You're a man. And I I understand. But at the same time, I understand that those people didn't want to probably be doing that. So there is, you know, a really conflicting thing there as a disgusting. I I feel you. But I just want to know if it's like given the choice, it's like, hey, um, can you be topless in the scene? It's It's completely up to you you pick and then to see like what actors would actually say, yeah, I'm fine with it. Or, you know, close down the set, only the camera person. And now they have, um, friend of mine does it. Sensitive sensitive coordinators or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. With their cup, everybody's comfortable. Intimacy coordinator. Yeah. On set. But do you think, do you think Jamie was given the choice to take her shirt off in this movie? Probably not. If Joe's saying that she was was uncomfortable. No, 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 no way. I'm just saying, like, if they did have the choice, I'd be curious to see which, because it's like a personal, it's a personal thing as a, in each individual as an actor. If someone's like, hey, no, you got to show your tits, you're not getting this fucking, uh, this role. Well, then, okay, I got, wow, yeah, I, I want this for my career. I guess I'll show my tits then, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really service the storyline, does it? <laughs> Oh, none of them do. Let's be yeah. real. If it's a beautiful sex scene and like, you know, I know what you're saying, David. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like, you know, the actors really feeling it. And they're like getting. But this is just she literally takes off her shirt and stands in the doorway. In the mirror. Yeah. And she's Didn't like, need to. Yeah. yeah, she could have just been in like a bra. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, ugh, I'm rolling my eyes so hard right a, now. A little. Anecdote on one of my favorite movies, Chopping Mall. I'm not sure if you've uh, ever seen it or covered (laughs) it. It's a really great horror movie. Uh, But I learned this from the director's commentary. Uh, There's a scene where two of the main characters are in a locker room and just chatting about, like, what's going to happen later in the movie. Uh, We're going to go hang out with these boys or whatever. And then a topless girl walks behind them. And that scene is there because the producer said, you got to put... you know, this uh, topless scene in there. And the director's like, 
I don't want to like just add an erroneous one. So then he just did that where he's yeah. like, okay, just have the girl walk by in the, <laughs> in the background. And later there is a topless girl that is a more actual sex scene and has somewhat of a purpose, which is kind of the irony of him being such a, well, I'm not going to do that topless <laughs> scene, but it's like, I'll have this come one. On. This is my art. I feel like we talked yeah. about we talked about this in our knocked up scene. You know, like when those guys, those dweeby guys, like their whole business thing is like one eight hundred Bush or like whatever. <laughs> or you know, like I mean, I feel like in the eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties, like tit spotting was like, yeah, every director was like, well, we gotta have like nipples, right? Oh, it was well, a rule. Yeah, yeah, it was such a rule. Because otherwise, like people would just lose interest. I think that's how we grew up, like guys in this country. If Paris, we've had this conversation. I don't know if it's been on this podcast or in person where we're saying, yeah, people here grew up a little more prude. And Mm -hmm. it's like everybody cover up when you're in public and, you know, don't show your body, whatever. And then you see something in the movie and you're like, oh, my God, tits. This is awesome. Rewind, rewind. Um, Freeze frame. (laughs) You know, so if if we grew up and had a little more open culture, maybe. Where it was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, go to the beach and right. Because I feel like naked. I, I feel like nakedness out. in like French films always feels different than like movies from America. And that's what pops in right? the head. Yeah. Because like in French culture, topless bathing is no big deal and people don't stare. But you're right. Like we're so infantilized in the U.S. It's so, gratuitous. Yeah, here. yeah. But it's also important to note that I believe around the '70s. You know, porn films were playing at the same theaters as wow. film films. And it wasn't until shortly after that that those separated. And then you had porn theaters. And porn theaters were still so big they'd have uh, premieres, like red carpet premieres of movies. And then you'd have these other movies. So I think it also took a while to separate from that. And, you know, like if all of a sudden the porn movies aren't showing in the theaters anymore and that thus they're not as popular because mm. they have to be at porn comp- theaters they have to nobody compete. wants to go there. Some gratuitous titties. Yeah, there's still this idea of we got to have boobs because that's what sold. And I think that bled in for quite a while, mm-hmm. decade, decade and a half. And it's fallen more and more out of favor just to have nudity for nudity's sake. Because yeah. we're 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 elevating our society. There's a lot more right dongs out there too. Yeah, uh, I'll oh, stay yeah. with the eighties. I'll stay with the seventies <laughs> and the eighties. I did have a couple of questions for you guys. Um, there was one moment in this film where the Duke brothers are explaining trading. I think it's around fifty-six minutes. They're explaining trading, and they've got like juice, gold, wheat Bacon. on the table. Yeah, and then he says, you know. You can make a bacon tomato sandwich, and Eddie Murphy looks directly at the camera. Yeah, is that a, is that a wall. joke I'm missing? I don't understand because I, I, I think it's kind of like what the fuck are you talking about? Like a BLT, and he's like bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich. Uh, but that's a good point. I don't know if around that it's the time, only time that that happens. Like yeah. when he looks into the camera, and I was like, I think maybe this because, is a cultural thing I don't understand. No, I think it's because he was explaining it and all bacon lettuce and tomato sandwiches right and it's they're called blts uh, okay. that's how i took it that's okay. how i interpreted it. that's I, why eddie I was like, it as like Motherfucker, i'm not what are you guys talking about yes. yeah okay yeah. Okay, okay, like, okay yeah yeah like okay you don't need to show me bacon <laughs> no what a bacon sandwich, sandwich to figure yeah. this out it's just it's weird when they he stares <laughs> it's the only time and he breaks the fourth wall and stares directly into the camera yeah so, okay so that was one question that's the sec- second question i have is why does he have a briefcase on the first day what's in it best guesses 
at his character? B- BLTs. BLTs? Just, just chock full of BLTs. <laughs> Is that why he looked at the camera? Because he's like, I know about BLTs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they gave him um, Winthorpe's briefcase. Okay. It just seems like a very... Some paperwork. <laughs> maybe, I just... maybe just some pens and a notebook. I, I, know. Know. I was, I was going to say, he's I a just, businessman now. He's a, exactly like a businessman with a briefcase. I feel like that's so like generic. I just laughed because uh, I was like, he's walking in. Do with guys a suit. or business people even use briefcases anymore? I think they do. We're just not them because obviously we're podcasting about movies, <laughs> right? With boobies yeah, but what and would you need that for if you stuff. can do everything on your phone? I just in a laptop. I think briefs are still important. You know, I you, think my dad, my briefs. dad had a briefcase when I was a kid. I feel like I remember the, the buttons that you could push that would like snap up. Yeah, but you who know? uses paper unless it's just like a note? I think there's still some like legal things and uh, privacy. And things could be. So maybe I, I just doubt use. it's like all like business people. Right. It's still status. I think it's business, such a status business, business. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I have to bring this brief. I have to bring a mini suitcase to the office. That's leather and very heavy yeah. because I can't have a handbag because I'm a man. Can I ask you guys something <laughs> yeah. real quick? Is there a difference in blackface? Is all blackface created equally or are they different? Discuss. I'm glad you asked because I do have a thought with this movie. If there is a gradient of blackface, uh, no pun intended, I guess, but just <laughs> like, uh, I think this movie isn't the worst of it. I do think it is trying to make fun of Dan Aykroyd a little bit or more, his more than Jamaican people. Yeah. Yeah. More than be like, isn't it funny that they act this way or something like that? He, he chose the wrong uh, disguise is what it it seems like it, the movie's trying to like poke fun right. at. That doesn't admonish it in any way, but I do think uh, and it makes you wonder. When you he know, d- when he walked into the train car with the black face on, I was like <laughs> I was already just so Paris many has her eyes closed and her hand on her head right now. I was <laughs> just I took a I took a picture and I sent it to David and I was just like what? And he's like, yeah, Dan Blackroyd. And I was like, that's a really good one. It's really, it's, it's a, a good... Twitter name. Really should be. <laughs> but and that that because I saw blackface. Number one is the thing. Mm-hmm. I'd been I'd waiting for about it. it. Oh, you forgot because about it. it. I forgot it because it happened so. The blackface is like the last <laughs> twenty minutes yeah. of the movie. So it really it hit is. me. It hit me in a way of like. Yeah, we got you. You <laughs> forgot, but you should have remembered. You got get out it. The blackface was terrible, but like the Jamaican was not the only cultural insensitivity. And that's in what that I was going to get at. Because yeah. Eddie Murphy, like there's some Africans that might yeah. take offense. But what I was getting at also, and I read some of this and it kind of piqued my interest. So is it say, because we have a bad history, right? With slavery in this country but say we didn't have that and he and dan blackroyd was doing that because he wasn't portraying them negatively they were happy when they're go- doing their back and forth right and it was like they weren't shitting on like jamaican or jamaican culture he was just like what's up brother you know maybe more of like the accent but then also the fucked up blackface but they were also so shitting on I'm- they were also shitting on irish people they made they made the butler be like a drunk Irish yeah, Catholic and they yeah. made Jamie Lee Curtis be like a Swedish girl with like a fucking lederhosen on. And I just watched it and I was like, 
it's so annoying to me when I see these things and it's like, okay, first of all, why would a Swedish girl be wearing a lederhosen in oh, Philadelphia? Well, well, that was part of the joke. Couldn't, well, she, uh, the actress herself, Jamie Lee Curtis, couldn't do a, a German oh. accent. So they just they made it Swedish. They up wrote that in, in there then. Yeah, like yeah. You, the, all they had were the le- the German lederhosen, but okay. she couldn't do that because Coleman so even says he's like, right. "But you're wearing lederhosen," and then so does Jim Belushi's character. Right. Yeah, says and something they were about just it. playing on the yeah. truth of the moment That's that funny. she actually couldn't do it. And yeah. then they also have a Native American guy, like you know, they walk through the car, like a couple of them. Eddie Murphy's like kind of making fun and like i mean he kind of does it in coming to america as well which we talked about on this podcast that, that's what i wonder if, if yeah. you're gonna say he's guilty of anything in this movie then certainly coming to america is that it's an hour and a half long film of so. him just yeah. doing african accents basically yeah i mean i it's an interesting question that you ask david did did dan blackroyd's blackface offend, offend you it really didn't Not at all. but other black faces offend me. See, I think where I'm at is because I'm kind of, uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm a funny person, right? And I laugh at a lot of shit. So when he, they're calling him like a Negroid or a Negro, I like geeked out at that part because I've seen so much of this stuff growing up and like been <laughs> called a lot of these names. Mm. And I just laugh at people. You're like, that's a throwback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was some fucked up stuff that happened. And now no, I laugh sure. at these people and their mindset. So like when I see that stuff in some of the films we watch, I like, like, oh, that's when someone says a really fucked up joke and you're like, oh, my God. And you kind of giggle mm-hmm. at it. That's how when some of this stuff I like chuckle at when I see this, especially in comedies that we do. Mm-hmm. But if it's like a movie and I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. I'll, I have that's my reaction so I have different reactions I would say I wonder how Dan feels about this movie now like watching it back to like I mean at the time I wonder if he like raised any questions or it was just so commonplace and people just thought mm-hmm. this is so funny to make fun yeah. the whole so, concept of the film is like making and that's know, the jokes. intention right mm-hmm. so if he was if they did the Jamaican accent and he was just like booyaka booyaka you know all that stuff and he by the way, he could, have been a, he could have been a white Jamaican. There are such things as white Jamaicans. True, but that's what I'm saying. And it wasn't like a, coming from a hateful place. So right. maybe they didn't even think about this is going to be looked at negatively, you know, 20, 30 years from now because we're not putting them in a bad light and o- making like almost 40 years stereotypes. Ago, yeah. So that's kind of how I'm viewing it, I would say. Because they're all comics, and especially like Eddie Murphy, and he's doing that. That's the first thing that pops in my head before Dan Blackroyd walked in that train car, because I forgot, and I've seen this movie probably <laughs> six, seven times. <laughs> I was doing, like, oh And he's my doing God. this, and he's talking about, what do you say, like, Christmas Mary or something like that. And he's like, that's And he's in this goes. country, we say Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's got like, the fly swatter thing. Today. Yeah, <laughs> he's I like, know. What, what is he swatting on a train yeah, car? Yeah, he's just so in the used winter. to swatting flies. He's like some jerky beef. Yeah, it's like that compared to the 80s, um, what was it, uh, um, Batteries Not not batteries not Included, uh, the Johnny Five movie. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, look, Locos, kick the, your ass. Look, Locos, um, kick your face. Yeah, I, I wish I remembered the name, but one of the characters is a white actor who plays an Indian and brown faces. Oh, that, shit. He's the, that's the character, is that it's just a white actor playing an Indian and... That blows you my know, mind. That to me is worse than this movie, right. which the Ackroyd character is just being a fool, mm-hmm. 
he's not being smart by Offensive. that versus a movie. Yeah, a movie just being like, oh, we're going to not cast an Indian actor. And <laughs> Which they didn't, you know, for a long time. So, yeah. So, yeah, and this is that era that we're working in, mm-hmm. is it where that's happening. Right. Uh, and what's that other movie where the a white guy in the movie his character does blackface to get into college. Yeah. Oh, th- yeah. We're going to, we're going to do that eventually. I thought you were talking about that one Tropic is- Thunder, which we always talk uh, about. Because- yeah. No, that's <laughs> see, that's de- like different phases or different yeah, gradients. gradients. Like you're saying, Joe, different gradients. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's and another Gene Wilder. Movie, yeah. Gene Wilder's done it. When I was looking at about Dan- looking up the Dan Blackroyd, um, I forgot Gene Wilder did it once and he's got a radio and he's like doing like oh this. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, so that is like fucked up to me where I'd be like, oh, that's fucked up. And I wouldn't giggle at that. But some of this stuff that's kind of on the racist side, I'm like, oh, that's fucked. That's giggle fucked up. You know what I mean? Can I ask um, you guys a question? Um, have you ever made it with an ape? Would you ever make it with an ape? <laughs> depends. Like, am I stuck on an island? Oh, I was stuck on an island for a long time. And uh, that ape was taking care of me like this one was. He was definitely taking care of his rectum. But also that guy could have easily taken the head off and taken off the tape because I don't think his hands were taped. Did yeah, I miss that? You could have pulled oh, at his eye hole. I, it's That's so obvious. Yeah. Um, but no, he's just going to stay in the cage and get raped all the way to Africa. And also he's going to die of starvation and dehydration because his mouth is taped shut. So... <sighs> He's going to get fed through the other side. <laughs> I mean, that guy's I mean, a piece of shit. Karma, I know. Baby. It, no, he was. But also, um, I just, I mean, I don't know a ton. I'm a little, so I have a couple of phobias. Uh, one, number one, by a long shot, is needles. And I got boosted and I was like panicked about this tiny fucking like little needle. The second one is like sharks because I'm Australian and that's like just very normal. And then the third Hmm. one, to be honest, is is monkeys. I'm a little bit afraid of monkeys. I was bitten by terrifying. I was bitten by two monkeys in Thailand uh, within like the span of 30 seconds of each other. They just attacked me (laughs) and I had to get (laughs) I had to get a rabies and a tetanus shot on my vacation in PB Island. Um, And I almost didn't, to be honest. And my dad was like, yeah, you're getting the rabies shot. Um, So but that was just a lot of trauma for you. There's a lot you're of trauma. Holding the, you're holding but all monkeys. No, but listen. Okay, so gorillas, which I believe that's what this guy mm-hmm. is supposed to be like. They're sitting so close to the cage. And I know it was a guy in a costume, even the one that's supposed to be like the real gorilla. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that is so fucking aged like milk because you would never sit that close to a wild animal. Like it would rip your fucking face off, right? Like. It was pretty stupid. I remember my fiance walking in while I was wow, those two the the fake real gorilla and the fake man gorilla. <laughs> they look the are same. Together. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, What is happening to her? <laughs> it looked like two people in costumes. In a cage. In a movie. Yeah. I'm like, No, one of those is supposed to be real. Real. <laughs> can you can you tell which one? It's <laughs> no. it's the one doing the raping. Yeah, that was hilarious to me. It just like stuck out to me a little bit. And then other things that stuck out to me about this movie being super 80s was the carpeted bathroom with the sunken jacuzzi in the middle. Do you guys have carpet in your bathrooms? I don't. I, I've seen it and I've heard of it and uh, very strange. I just feel like you'd have to redo that like every couple of years because it would get moldy. Moldy. I will say like it does sound if it was like a nice fluffy carpet like imagine how soft and cute that would be to jump out of like a bath and you know walk on soft carpet but yeah 
I was like, who's carpeting their bathrooms? The 80s was fucking crazy. They're like, let's put carpet <laughs> on the ceilings. Let's put it on the walls. Yeah. You can get heated I, tile. No. That's true. That Yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I think that's also like you're wealthy if you have that. Oh, for sure. Because it's taken care of. Me, if I'd carpet my bathroom, no. I don't have the staff. I don't have <laughs> – I don't have the desire – I don't have the will to live anymore. So why would I do anything with my carpet in my bathroom? <laughs> These people, it's, you know, what is the... the That's like a towel. Conway, yeah, you know, uh, Coleman. Coleman's vacuuming up the carpet after every shower, you know, in yeah. a situation where people have carpet in the bathroom. Also, so. he's just like looking at Eddie Murphy's dick. Like he just met this guy and he's like, enjoy <laughs> your bath, sir. I'd be like, get the yeah. fuck out of here. Grown ass yeah. Man. Like, what do we do? The, turn the jets on before you yeah. come in this room and talk yeah. to me. I don't want you to. Exactly. You ain't going to jacuzzi me. Then you wouldn't be able to say that joke. <laughs> all the set all this, in there, yeah. All the setups for the joke. <laughs> there was a few things, yeah. So that another thing is, do you really think the Dukes would have lost all their money in one trading? <clears throat> probably not all their money, but probably damn near close because you gotta settle up. What doesn't ah. make sense is so they, they made a gamble, right? So you gotta pay for all of that. So say an easier way to explain it, like say if I say the price of Apple is gonna be um, ten dollars next month right and the person who sold me that contract saying like oh i don't think it is and somehow it goes up to a thousand dollars they got to pay me for the from like the ten dollars all the way up to the thousand for how, how many ever contracts i bought so that's kind of what happened to the duke so they're gonna have to pay for all that stuff that they were buying initially and then it just the ceiling drop or the floor dropped out from under them so they got to make up for that he said it was like 340 million dollars yeah or something like that and they have to pay it in cash on in the cash day. At, at margin call but what didn't make sense is the scene takes about 30 minutes trading hours are you know for what like six seven eight hours in a day so there's no way magic and he said the report came on at nine and then within a couple of minutes, all the traders are yeah. done yeah. Uh, for the day and the machines are off. Time like, to go drink. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, a l- little bit of movie magic yeah. going on. Don't take your financial advice from trading places. <laughs> no, or me, because I probably bought well, uh, some of these explanations. Minute-made, frozen, <laughs> yeah. orange juice. Can we, can we talk about how boring the rich people seemed in this film? Like that club that he goes to that's so exclusive. Oh, it was like silent. Um, it looked Stuffy. boring. And then his fi- his fiance was such a bitch for leaving him. I was like, fuck you. And then also his friends. I would, if my the song. Oh my God. I wrote down the song, the con, what's her name? Constance, where she like, yeah. is basically <laughs> it's way a too long. Yeah. Y'all, that whole scene. I fast forwarded it the second time I watched it today. I watched it two days ago. And then today I fast forwarded that scene. Cause I'm like, this, that, this is not doesn't important. move the needle. It just no, shows it's... that they're douchebags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't care about these people no. and they're just sweater vests. Very eighties. Okay. Paris, can I ask you something real quick? So you no, said she's absolutely. a bitch for leaving. Him. Yeah. So Scott, right. Finds out he got caught with PCP angel dust. You bail him out. And then a gorgeous, the most gorgeous, put together, smartest investment prostitute walks up to him, starts making <laughs> out with him, and asks him for drugs. 
you would still be they like, have, they you have still no, believe him? They have no communication. If he was like really upset and was like, I swear to you, I don't know this woman. Like we, they're about, they're, they're engaged. They're talking about getting married. Mm-hmm. I think if you cannot be like, okay, first of all, it's outside a fucking police station. So shit is really hectic. He's just, he smells and has spent the night in a jail cell. No, I would sit down and be like, all right, walk me through the events. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't just leave him on the steps and then go fuck my dumb, his dumb, ugly friend (laughs) who's like still rich. I would say she's a bitch, but I don't know if she's a bitch for leaving him. Okay. That's where I stand with it. I think she's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. And maybe that did lead to the fact of why she left. But I think the data she was given sure was enough to to leave and on top of that she is a really bad, bad person. person but also it's yeah. like the, that's what's ma- that's what's supposed to make us feel like good that he ends up with Jamie Lee Curtis's character like did she ever apologize uh did duke ever apo- the dukes ever apologize for ruining this guy's life did they go to jail for insider trading david says well, no well well if we've seen anything which we have so if you watch coming to america Mm-hmm. Who's a cameo? I don't know. The Duke brothers. Damn, they're oh. in it. So he takes he takes his boy Arsenio Hall's money because he's like, you got to stop fucking spending. I'm supposed to be poor. And he goes on a date with Lisa, and he hands a bag full of money to two homeless guys, oh. and they wake up, and it's them. And he's like, we're oh, back. Oh, my yeah. God. That is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. But yeah, Paris, I mean- you're a real one for... For standing by your man. I think you too. And him if, explain. I think your significant, if your significant others went through something, yeah. you know, you would, you would at least sit down and like, okay, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk it through. Mm-hmm. You might be like, don't fucking touch me. Cause you just made out with that girl. Yeah. You know, or I, I mean, I would also be like to the woman, I'd be like, I'm sorry, who are you? How, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to get all the facts. This woman was halfway out the door. I think with oh, this yeah. guy. it's animal kingdom. Once your mate shows any sign of weakness, you run to the stronger yeah. one. That's right. how these people work. These rich are the true animals. Yeah. And she, well, by the but, way, she didn't have to get her boobies out. She just wore the cute underwears. Um, but we wish. No. Uh, <laughs> Cause she didn't have Jamie Lee Curtis's. Cause she didn't. Yeah. All, she all boobs are great. I will she say wasn't that. told she had to really great depiction of black people, women, immigrants. <laughs> Everyone got a good, good show. Uh, rich people did very well. All right, let's talk about let's talk about some shout outs. I would like to go first. I would like to shout yeah. out ma'am. Her name is Teresa Alba Shipani. She was in the costume department. She was costume women, because obviously women can only dress women. That's crazy. How can, <laughs> don't think any other way. But she also worked on Moscow on the Hudson. She worked on Sophie's Choice, uh, which I still have not seen, but I know about it, so I will watch it, I promise. Uh, the World According to Garp, Rollover, and The First Deadly Sin. So she really, it seems like, had a costume career from 1980 to 1984. I don't know what else she's up to, but I thought the costumes in this movie were very fun, especially Jamie Lee Curtis, but like everybody, I thought, had great outfits. Anyway, Teresa, we see you and we appreciate see you. See you, we appreciate you. 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 Yeah, you gotta have good, good costumes for the rich. Especially in the 80s where... Everything was colors and shoulder pads and height and yeah. Uh, Joe, who would you like to shout out from the film? I'm going to shout out uh, casting by Bonnie Timmerman. Nice. Because she brought Jamie Lee Curtis 
from being the scream queen into her first non-horror role and that is very cool and very good even if it led to (laughs) jimmy lee curtis having to show her boobs and not feeling comfortable (laughs) with it uh, I think she's doing okay. David, who do you want to shout out? All right. I'm going to go with Renee Bodner, and she was the script and continuity department <laughs> on this. <laughs> so it must have been kind of like, I'm <laughs> just was. wondering how she was feeling as, as they're working on this movie. But Yeah, there wasn't um, a lot of continuity. There were some problems <laughs> with but this. But she, <laughs> she, was, she was doing her thing, and she has done her thing. She um, Script supervisor on Cocktail. She was a script supervisor on The Money Pit, which is one of my favorite um, Tom Hanks films. And she worked on The Last Dragon, which is an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, takes a village. And Renee, we see you and we appreciate you. We see you and we appreciate you, Renee. They probably, Eddie Murphy is known to be an improviser. So she was probably like following the script, being like, this isn't in here. (laughs) You know, he just goes off on an Eddie Murphy tangent. She's laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to hold it together. Well, that's that film, guys. Joe, where can people find you? Uh, you know, go on joecabello.com. You could find everything there. Hopefully I did a good job on sending you everywhere that needs to be sent to or you go to, whatever the verbs and words I'm supposed <laughs> to use in that sentence. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Um, I have a lot of uh, free stuff for you to read on Patreon too. So it's not all pay for, but maybe it'll entice you and you'll get addicted and want to check it all out. Hell Yeah. yeah. And Joe, if you've got any advice for people out there who maybe want to start a podcast, what would you say to them? Oh, that's so tough. I spend a lot of time thinking about the idea and the hook um, because I think the advice I would give now is different than the advice I would give five or 10 years ago or even sooner. You know, it's it's different now. And maybe even think, uh, is this podcast something I can do? somewhere else can this be a tiktok account oh. or something because I, I do think things are shifting a little bit and i don't think podcasts will die at, at all um but as far as you getting your your name out there it can be really hard without a good hook and you might want to just leverage new technology very good advice very good advice is this an hour long podcast or is this a 10 second TikTok? Something to think about, you know, can you, <laughs> you could you, have some problems. <laughs> yeah. Get your, uh, get your thoughts in. Well, guys, this is the part of the podcast where we decide whether or not this film has aged like milk before we say it. Do you think people who are listening to this podcast who maybe have one more film in them for the holiday season, should they make this that film to watch David? <laughs> You know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Check it, <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Because are going into the next year. like Yeah. yeah you're like, eh. yeah. yeah. For that specifically, I'd say check out 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max instead. I think it's the new Christmas classic. Okay. And it'll give you the It'll give you the warm Christmas fuzzies more than this will. This won't quite give you the warm. It'll give you the warm Jamaican fuzzies. <laughs> it'll give you the warm cringe I fuzzies. So. Where you're like, oh, yeah, Dan Blackroyd, how could you? Yeah. Yeah. How could you get out these people? Fuck. What, what about you, Paris? I'm I'm with you, David. I'm like, fuck it. Just watch it. Like, watch it. <laughs> watch it now at the very end of 2021 and then just forget it exists. And, 
you know, in a couple of years, it's going to have its 40 year reunion, I'm sure. And it will come up and people will be like, has this movie aged well? And we'll be like, well, I don't know. Check out our podcast. We already discussed. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, having said that, Joe, you are our guest. Do you think this film has aged like milk? I think it has aged like milk. <laughs> yeah. That's it. End, Why? End of judgment. <laughs> Why would we you talk say for that? another hour? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same points. Yeah. David. Uh, but yes. David. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think of like, were there any kind of drinks in this movie which I could say it aged like or didn't age like? But yes, um, <laughs> it did age. I don't have any kind of milks that I can put this to or whatever. Like chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah Dan Blackroyd milk. <laughs> um, <laughs> gorilla milk. It's like the off-brand. <laughs> off-brand. Oh, gross. The gorilla milk that he's yeah. churning up in that cage. Banana flavored. Up that but, guy's uh, back. Yeah, for, for multiple reasons, um, this movie did age. I did laugh at a few parts whether it was just me laughing at the pain or (laughs) laughing at you know eddie murphy's timing but they could have removed a lot of different things in this and i i think it might have held up if they if they did it so i don't know if they'd ever remake this movie and how they would change it but i'd be maybe interested to see that remake even though i don't like remakes but I think it would be wo- it would be so woke that it was horrible. It probably would, <laughs> but then, and that wouldn't age. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then we'd have two, <laughs> two mm. trading places that didn't age well. Two sides t- of the exactly. Same yeah. Um, I agree. It's a trifecta tonight. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> this movie <laughs> aged horrible. I wouldn't you even. Grinch. I wouldn't even buy this milk. If I saw it in the supermarket, I'd be like, no, that milk looks spoiled already. I mean, I didn't do too much research, but had I, I would have been like, oh, fuck. But you're right, Joe, from the first minute where you see that tile come up and it's like blackface, or in my case, it was like cultural references that are outdated. It's like, mm, I feel like they wouldn't say that unless it was bad. True. But so you don't read anything and you're just looking at the label. And it's just Dan Aykroyd and at the, at the Eddie label. Murphy in suits, and yeah. it says Trading Places. You wouldn't buy that milk? I, yeah, I guess I would. But then if I tested it, like at Trader Joe's yeah. house sometimes, before ten the minutes. Minutes. Like, shot ten right? minutes into the movie, it, gets, it curdles a little bit yeah. about ten minutes in. So. Yeah. I, think, I think it curdles when you open up the fucking <laughs> lid and you Take smell it. You know, <laughs> when, he's, when he's getting attacked by the police in the park. Ugh, I mean, just so many moments that are just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because I love comedy and I want to write comedy. That's my dream. And so every time we do a comedy, I'm like, is anything I write just going to be horribly aged in a couple of years? Like, I guess so. I guess so. Just have to accept it. Fuck it. That's yeah. us. Yeah, Fuck it and learn from it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Joe, for coming on. I mean, it's a pleasure to have you solo. We also love Sasha and, you know, we can't wait to keep hanging out in our podcast worlds in the in the new year it's going to be a good one are you guys going to take a little break for the holiday season uh i we have a little bit more of a backlog than i think you all might Mm -hmm. um so i i don't think we'll need to we'll see it's always good to take a little bit bit of a break you know just to reset settle your yeah get your energy back up but uh, no, we would love to come on. This is such a blast. This is so much fun getting to talk. You know me. I love talking movies. We love talking movies. You know. And we love 
supporting each other and you know this podcast community i know you know diet j we were just on his podcast a few yes. months ago mm-hmm. i love Great him podcast yeah busting yeah. yeah the yeah. network he's part of our network too i'm calling it the joe network, joe network. Joe network. i like uh, it the jet work <laughs> oh i love that <laughs> guys uh, get on the jet work yeah you, you gotta, gotta podcast out there yeah, get on the yeah. jet work but no thank you so much again for coming we hope you have a happy and healthy new year excuse the dog licking he's, in the background he's, uh he's drinking in the new year gotta drink up that milk it's so yummy um but yes no here's to 2022 i know nobody's like claiming it as their own i keep seeing all these memes it's like we're gonna walk in real slow yeah, don't nobody claim anything yes. nobody look at any goals if the last two years has taught us anything it's that we can get through whatever and you just have to do it with a bit of a laugh and a bit of a smile and you know chase your creative dreams and who knows one day two crazy billionaires might tap you on the shoulder and you'll be uh you know living the dream so temporarily temporarily living the dream anything <laughs> can that happen happens get them doing something compromising and blackmail the shit out of them yeah i resent blackmail as a as a <laughs> as a reference to now white mail just white mail them <laughs> just mail them just mail them but yes joe thank you so much again pleasure talking to you david Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, girl. Love you. You should check your fridge. Make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. We'll see you in 2022, my friends. Don't drink too much milk on New Year's. Be safe. Don't end up in a gorilla cage on your way to Africa. (laughs) Bye. Bye.